We, uh, uh, it's a little bit of a rainy day today, so, but uh, I'm liking this uh, possible 80 degree weather for the day. I'll take that as a little bit of a change. Um, one of the things, uh, I just kind of bring something up after a conversation I had with somebody this week uh, that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Well, it does, but whatever. Um, that, uh, you know, I think um, it's, it's easy, you know how it's easy just to gravitate to the people you always talk to. Um, and, and 24 has always been a place that, by and large, people have always told me, you know, I've been so welcomed and uh, all this kind of thing. I've actually had two conversations with people as of recent that said, you know, I come, but nobody's talking to me. I'm just there. I'm almost invisible. Um, and I bring that up because I know that's not our hearts. But I also know that a lot of people, on, especially on Sunday mornings, it's tough on Sunday mornings. To get to know anybody on Sunday mornings is really tough. Uh, almost, almost impossible. It's not quite impossible. But uh, anyway, but with, especially with a lot of folks serving uh, in other aspects and then coming into a service late after we've had a welcome time and that kind of thing. I, I just bring it up just to say, be aware. Be aware of the folks that uh, God's putting around you, even, even here. Uh, we especially want to be sure that, that folks feel welcome. Uh, and that we're glad that they're here. We're glad you're here if you're visiting with us today. Uh, generally speaking, I think most people over the years have, uh, I've always had tons of feedback of just, just about how welcome people have felt. Uh, but get to know people. Like, you know, invite people into your circles. I know we love our circles, but invite people into them. There are people looking to be in circles with you. Uh, and uh, you probably don't realize it. So just, just a little throwing that out there. Uh, you know, huge, huge part of, you know, who we are as a church uh, is that everyone would feel welcome and uh, all that kind of thing. So anyway, just uh, that's a freebie. So that had nothing to do with what we're talking about today. So uh, just throwing it out there. Uh, some exciting stuff coming up. I know Ben will be talking about all that, so I'm not going to talk about any of it. Let's just go ahead and jump into First uh, John chapter 5 today. First John chapter 5, we've been in this Word of Life series uh, now for, I don't know, a couple few months, I guess, uh, and today we're starting chapter 5 of First John, so we're, we're coming on to the tail end of this thing. Uh, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and get out uh, and go with us. If you don't have a Bible, we've got ushers that will bring you one. You can throw your hand up, and if you don't own one, we'd love for you to keep that one. Uh, but First uh, John chapter 5, you know, kind of comes... Uh, you know, after John has written this, the rest of this letter, it's definitely like one of those things of like, uh, it's, it's a, a bit of a bookend, uh, if you will, uh, the things that John's talking about throughout that. We're going to see that even with this passage today, that there's bookends to just this passage. Uh, we've talked a lot about this. John's very, very repetitive. He, he uh, purposefully is trying to make extremely clear uh, who Jesus is, uh, you know, and, and how important it is for us to understand who Jesus is. Uh, he's still doing that today uh, in the passage that we're studying today. Um, this thing's giving me fits, so I'll probably wrestle it to the floor uh, before this is over with. Woo! Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, Ric Flair's tonight, by the way, in case you didn't know. That's an important thing happening in the history of Nashville. So I know our micro church is completely aware of this happening. So, uh, but uh, 
<laughs> I digress. Uh, but uh, but this, this passage is really a great passage. I mean, just really, really rich with truth and rich in uh, things that we'd go, oh, you know, I already know all those things. And you probably do. Uh, but to see John teach them together, to give them to us together, for the Lord to use him to give this to us together, I think is a real gift. And uh, uh, I want us to read it together. In fact, I want us to do this. Why don't we pray uh, and ask God to speak through his word. God, I just pray this morning, uh, Lord, that you would not just speak through your word and to our hearts, but Lord, that you would change us. Um, Lord, that you would that you would help us to see something, Lord, here that, that you have for us today, uh, not just to challenge us, but, but to make us uh, continually new in the process of, of making us more like you. God, I just pray that you would continue to do that today. God, use your word. Uh, be glorified in our time together. Uh, in its teaching, we ask all this in your son's name. Amen. Uh, this passage starts out with three words. Everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. Uh, John, John is you know, trying to you know, help people not just understand what it looks like to believe in Jesus, but who Jesus is. He's doing both of those things in this passage of Scripture as we look at it today. In fact, let's just go ahead and read. We're reading five verses today. Uh, let's read this together right now. It says, verse 1, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this, we know that the love that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it? that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So, this, I mentioned a minute ago, that this passage, even in and of itself, these five verses have bookends. Now, I'm going to talk about them uh, later in the deal, and you may, between now and later in the deal, figure out what they are. Uh, but we see these bookends, and it's, and it's again, it's, it's John doing his thing, He's being repetitive, but he's also, he's also introducing a little bit different nuances to how he's being repetitive uh, in the book, with the bookends in this passage of Scripture here. Uh, here in verse 1, it says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. Now, this is very much a reminder of, of chapter 4 that we just finished up. Uh, last week, if you remember, which was a whole lot of, of understanding, uh, you know, that uh, if, if we love God and God, God first loved us, you know, we, we studied that, you know, God first loved us and then we love him. And that if we love God, then we love others. And specifically speaking, uh, especially brothers and sisters in Christ. This is, this is such an important thing that John's going to keep coming back to this and he's, you know, he's, he's like the football coach that's, you know, banging you in the head with the whistle, you know, over the helmet, so to speak, okay? You can't bang kids in the head anymore, I don't think. I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, it's this reminder of, of the work that God does in us when, when we are in a relationship with him. I told you this thing. 
uh, love hate thing with this. Uh, you know, but but the the understanding, and we shared in that passage last week that we know uh, as the greatest commandment, where you know the dude walks up to Jesus and he's like, you know, what's the greatest commandment of all time, Jesus? I want to know. And Jesus is like, well, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So we we glean from that that part of the process of us, you know, being in a relationship with Jesus, in a relationship with God, is is that in that relationship, he changes us and his love changes us to where we do the unimaginable. We are able to love others that don't deserve to be loved. I think that that's important for us to remember as believers. I think it's important for us to remember as believers for one of the reasons is that it's one of the greatest ways in which the church as a whole glorifies God in that we still love one another even when we let each other down. You know, it's not a, you know, oh, well, uh, uh, you know, I must stay, must stay with that church until, you know, as long as I'm happy, right? No, no. You stay with a church because God's called you to it. And it would be a church that uh, teaches the truth, glorifies the Lord, is pushing people toward Jesus, is loving and caring and all those things. And the truth is, is that any church, I don't care what the name of the church is or where it's from or where it's located, you know, any church is going to let you down. They're going to let you down. When I say church, I'm talking about the people are going to let you down at some point in time. So we have to decide ahead of time that the love of God is enough to change us that we might love brothers and sisters in Christ to work through those moments. Can you see me? I, I know, I can't, I can't stop. My brain, I'm still stinking youth pastor at heart. Uh, but yeah, and so, uh, you know, but so for real, I mean, it's like, you know, us as a church, it's important for us. It's important for us to show one another grace. And when we show grace to one another, when we don't deserve it, imagine that, us showing grace to somebody that doesn't deserve it. It's not about whether or not they do deserve it. We didn't deserve it either. We're, we're putting on display the love that God has shown for us. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. The, here's the thing. It's only possible for us to live this out if we have been born of God. It's only possible for us to live this out if we've been born of God. And being born of God, believing in Jesus, going back to that very first, you know, everyone who believes, believing in Jesus puts us in His family and we love the rest of that family. We love our brothers and our sisters in Christ. You know, I mean, imagine this. You know, I think about this. I think about, uh, you know, families as a whole. In fact, I think about, I think about uh, my mom's family, my, you know, my extended family, uh, her father, her brothers and sisters and all this. And, and unfortunately, after the passing of her dad, her mom, her mom passed first, and then, and then her dad, my grandfather, passed later on. And, uh, you know, when he passed, 
there was almost immediately dissension between the siblings. And, and, and many of them didn't want that, by the way. Uh, my mom certainly didn't want that. Um, but there was dissension between the siblings. And, and I just, you know, and it's so funny because it's not really funny, but it, it's so interesting because my grandfather specifically said before he passed away, he said, don't you guys, don't you guys argue and be upset with one another. Don't you fight over whatever's left, you know, all, all these things. And, it, and exactly what he didn't want to happen, happened. I, I see this in that same light that God as our Father does not want us fighting and being at each other and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, hey, we're going to have disagreements. We're gonna let, like I said, we're going to let each other down. But we've got a great, such a great opportunity to shine light to the rest of the world and for God, more importantly, just to be glorified in us in, in our obedience to Him in loving one another, showing one another grace through these moments that are hard. Being born of God, believing in Jesus, puts us in the family of God. He, the Father, cares about how we love each other. Uh, and it's all a reminder. It's all a reminder that we have a relationship with God, which is truly amazing in of itself. I, you know, we, we can say statements like that, and I think just take for granted that the statement is true, and then we can throw it around. We have a relationship with God. Think about like, you know, when you've run into somebody like really famous, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get to meet them, you know? What if you got to have a relationship with them? What if they got to be your friend, right? You know? And, and I think about that, and I think about, you know, we, we have the greatest possible relationship with someone ever in our relationship with him. And, we, and we, of course, we, we, I think we all can admit, admit that we all take that for granted. I know I do. And that I can just talk to him anytime that I can pray, that I can ask for things. I, I had a moment this week where I, you know, I'll just be honest, I was like, you know, feeling like the weight of the world was rolling me over. I mean, it's just one of those moments. You know, we all have those moments from time to time. And, uh, and, and I, just, I just sat back, I remember sitting back in the car and I just prayed and said, God, I am not in charge and you are 100%. And I just confessed to him, I said, Lord, I don't even know why I'm worried about this. Like, why am I worried about this? Like, you've got this. This is all you. It's always you. And you're always glorified in how you take care of us and do these things or whatever it is. He wants to lift that weight off of us. It's not our burden to bear. We'll get to that in, verse, in a little bit. Verse 2 it goes on. It says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. Now, we just talked about this a little bit again. He's being repetitive. That's okay. Uh, but but there's, a, there's a both and kind of here with this statement uh, in that, you know, He's showing us that this works both ways. He kind of flips this on its head from what we think that He would say. Uh, you know, and it's and it's funny because commentators are like all over this about that specific thing. Uh, in that, you know, we thought that John would have written it this way, but he wrote it this way. And uh, you know, what we have is verse two. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey 
His commandments. You know, and instead of it saying, you know, uh, we love God, and because we love God, then therefore we, you know, love the children of God. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's love for Him, which is from Him, that causes love for others. Love for others proves that we love Him as we wouldn't do so otherwise. Why would we do it otherwise? We wouldn't. We wouldn't be here right now. You'd find something else to do with Sunday morning. You know? I mean, who, who needs a little extra time in their schedule? If I could give you a couple of hours of time, you'd, you would be, you'd, probably, you'd probably pay me a lot of money for that. If I could just sell you time, you know? What could we do with more time? That's, that's constantly what we're thinking. And, and so, you know, why would we be here together? We're here together because God first loved us. And He saved us and He changed us. And we have a relationship with Him. And He's continuing to change us and mold us and make us into being the people that He's called us to be. And here's this reminder that our love for Him which is from Him, causes love for others. And that our love for others proves that we love Him as we wouldn't do so otherwise. We may say, you know, well, this person wronged me, this person hurt me, I, 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 can't, I can't love them. I can't love them. But the truth is, is that we have in Jesus what He's done for us and that while we were still sinners, He loved us, died for us, gave His life for us, showed us what love really looks like, showed us that love is a choice. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, without Jesus, without His grace, which we don't deserve, we wouldn't love others in moments when they don't deserve it. God loves to be glorified in this, in our lives. And it comes back, he, he brings back around, he's going to talk about this again in verse 3, uh, that loving, again, comes back to His commands. And he talks about that more in verse 3. Let's go ahead and read verse 3. Verse 3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. You know, when we, when we hear statements like, you know, keeping commandments, you know, our, our first off, if you're like me as a sinner, I'm a sinner, you know, whatever. And, you know, first off, when I hear that, it's like, oh, here we go. I got a, I got a list to keep or, you know, whatever. Uh, look, it's not that we're keeping a list for our salvation. Jesus already did that work, Okay. Let's, let's be real clear about that. Let's don't fall into the legalism trap of, you know, well, if you don't do this and you don't do that, you're going to hell. No, that's, no, it's if you have not trusted in Jesus, then that's true. But not because, you know, you're playing your music too loud or, you know, whatever it is, pick your flavor, you know, kind of thing uh, that people love to say about all these things. Oh, well, if you look like this or you do that or, you know, uh, look, th this is, this is grace. We stand in the grace of God. And he's saying something that's very important for us to understand today about God's commandments. I'll read it again. For this is the love of God 
that we keep His commandments. He's saying that if we love the Lord, we are keeping His commandments. Imagine that you, uh, you know, have a relationship with someone that you care care very much about, and they have needs in their life, and maybe some of those needs are things that you have to help them with. Otherwise, maybe they wouldn't survive. Maybe those needs are things that you don't always want to do or enjoy doing or whatever it is, but at the end of the day, you do them. Why? Because you love them. God has loved us first, and then we love Him, and therefore we keep His commandments. And it says this in verse 3, and His commandments are not burdensome. They're not burdensome. The love that is being talked about here is the agape love that we've heard about before in Scripture. And it is true love, and it requires action. It requires action. Let me, let, me help, let me help everybody in the room that's married or thinking about getting married one day. True love requires action. The kind of love that we're called to love a husband and a wife or, you know, whatever, kids sometimes, whatever. Uh, kidding. Uh, you know, is, is, this, is this true love? And true love requires action. Which means this, when you get to a point in that relationship and you go, well, you know, I'm just not in love anymore with this person. Okay, so, (laughs) you see, requires action is not based on emotions. It's not follow your heart, okay? That's, you know, made fun of that plenty of times in the past. If you're new to 24, I love to make fun of statements that are not biblically true. Following your heart is one of those things. If we look at Scripture, our heart is sinful and it will lead us astray. Don't follow your heart, okay? <laughs> true love requires action not based on emotion. It is following a choice. It's following something that we've said, we're going to do this. I'm going to do this in my life for you. I'm going to, I'm going to love you. I'm going to grow old with you. You know, as the song says, whatever, you know, and, and one day we're going to, you know, wipe each other's butts or whatever it's going to be. You know, it's, it's all coming for every one of us. Right. And we know this, you know, there's no getting away from it and we can't decide somewhere in there. Well, you know, I think, you know, I'm not really, not really feeling it today. Think I'm going to trade you in for a new model, you know, or whatever. It's not emotion. It's action. And it's, and it's action that glorifies God because we're following through. And the truth is that we want to. We, when we care about someone, we want to do that. And the same is true for the commandments in which we follow after God, they are not burdensome. There's something that we do because we love Him. He's changed us and we're overjoyed to do it. As a matter of fact, doing those things bring us the greatest joy in life. If you've ever followed the Lord and sought after Him, you could probably tell me the moments in your life when you were closest to the Lord and you were following Him, and it may not be the moments when you, uh, you know, felt the most successful or you know, felt like you were, I mean, you know, felt like life's going to fall apart maybe, but you were following the Lord and, and He was moving in your life and you were in the middle of what you just knew was like what He was wanting you to do 
in those moments, you have more joy, more delight than any other moments in your life. This is our goal. This is our mission. This is where happiness comes from. Truthfully, in His commandments, we find freedom. We find freedom. In this life, to love someone like that, it's laying down our life. And when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, it's a matter of us laying down our life, as Scripture teaches us, and taking up a new life to serve Him, to follow Him, to follow His leading. Jerry Bridges says this, says, love provides the motive for obeying the commands of the law, but the law provides specific direction for exercising love. Let me read it again. Love provides the motive for obeying the commands of the law, but the law provides specific direction for exercising love. Danny Aiken throws this at at us. He says, it is not a a, I have to obedience. It is I want, it's an I want to obedience. That's big, that's a big difference for us today. That's a a heart change for us today. And, And where does that come from? It comes from a relationship that we have with the Lord. You're like, Chris, I feel like it's a burden. It's not burdensome. As a matter of fact, if it's burdensome, we're doing it wrong. We're coming at it backwards. We're we're coming at it from the legalism standpoint of, I'm going to try to earn my salvation. Even though we're say, oh no, my salvation is in Jesus. No, but this is what we do. Is we we try to earn God's love. Well, I'm going to do this to see if I can get God to love me more. He's already loved you as much as he's ever going to love you. He sent Jesus to die for you. It's not burdensome. As a matter of fact, Matthew 11 shows us it's not burdensome. Verse 28, it says, Come to me all... Who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That's what he wants to do in us. That's what he wants to make happen in our lives. He wants to lift the burdens off of us. Some of us are walking around, been walking around like I was earlier in the week, you know, with the burdens of life, just going, gosh, I don't know how we're going to get out of this. You know, I'm, I'm so good at like getting us into a jam. You know, I don't know if you are or not, but I, you know, and so, you know, next thing I know, I'm like, how in the world am I going to get out of this junk now? I just, you know, it's always my fault, you know, me just being a stupid sinner, not paying attention or something. And, and, you know, the Lord wants to take that stuff from us. And in, and in following Him and in doing His commands, His burden is light. He takes those things from us. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Who needs some rest? Come on. Anybody need some rest? The rest of you are liars. Bunch of... People afraid to raise your hand in church. People. That was my nice way of calling you a name right then. If you didn't figure that out. 
This is what God wants to do in your life with his plans, not yours, with his plans. Let him lift the burdens of this world. Verse 4, let's keep going. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Now let, let's look at this verse. This, this verse has got some great stuff in it, and, and I want to talk about it a good bit. It says, for everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. Now, I don't know about you, but immediately I'm like, yes, yes, I have the power, you know? Like, I, you know, nothing, nothing's going to get me. I'm going to, you know, I got all this. I ain't got nothing, okay, except Jesus, okay? And he, he overcomes the world. Make no mistake, it's not man, it's not us who overcomes the world. It is God who overcomes the world. Let's also bring up another one of my favorite not-biblical sayings used by lots of Christians. You remember this one? God won't give you any more than you can handle. Usually comes with a pat on the back and a, a bless you and a, you know, all that kind of stuff. God won't give you any more than you can handle. That's a saying. It's not Scripture. Let's be real clear about that, okay? <laughs> Nowhere in Scripture does it say God won't give you any more than you can handle. All over Scripture, it shows us that He won't give us anything He can't handle. And there's a big difference right there. The overcoming of the world isn't about us just getting through tough times. You know, we hear a statement like that and we're like, yeah, yeah, you know, we're going we're gonna to get through this, right? You know, I'm going to fight my way through this. No, we need to lean on the Lord and let him fight his way through this. That's hard for us because we love earning stuff. We love, we love being able to say, look what I did. But overcoming the world isn't about us just getting through tough times. It's overcoming sin. It's overcoming death. It's gaining the promises of new life, eternal life, being heirs to the inheritance of God the Father. We talked about this on uh, Tuesday night. My guys, my Tuesday night guys, uh, Bible study, we're walking through the book of Ephesians right now. And Ephesians 3 verse 6 says this, it says, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. We were talking about this and just talking about, I think somebody said, you know, what, what, is, what does that really mean? What's that talking about? It's like we well, got to remember historically at that moment in time, Gentiles, Gentile people were a mixed race and Jewish people being very prideful and very much like, you know, we're the people of God and we're better than everybody, you know, kind of a, you know, we're better than everybody else kind of a mentality. Um, John is helping us understand something that was super important for that Jesus taught and that he knew Jesus would want us to understand, which is that, that all the Gentiles who also believe are also fellow heirs. They've been brought into the family of God. Fellow heirs, meaning the inheritance, the all the things. You know, just going back to even my 
my mom's family. And, you know, when, when my grandfather finally passed, you know, it was, okay, what, what's going to happen with the farm? What's going to happen with the house? What's going to happen with the trucks? You know, all of these things. What's going to happen with the, all the belongings in the house? And who's going to get what? This, this is an inheritance, right? By the way, it's good to be an only child when it comes to an inheritance. Rock on. <laughs> My kids are going to fight like crazy, I bet you. Anyway. <laughs> They're a bunch of sinners. Hopefully not. No, it, it's, it's recognizing that God the Father has the greatest things for us. You know, and, and when we hear great things, we're like, oh, you mean like, you know, winning that lottery? It's going on like, you know, that kind of great? No. Doesn't mean God's going to make you rich with money. I mean, He might. But it doesn't mean that that's what we're after here. God has an inheritance for us that is eternal life. It's to be a part of His family, it's to overcome death. It's amazing. It's His grace. We don't deserve it. He loves us. He gave it to anyone who believes. Then, go back, let's go back and read the verse. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. He throws in our faith. He throws in our faith. This is John like taking, taking you know, God's Word and, and helping us to see something which is really incredible, which is that God is the one that's doing this work, but then He involves us, you know, and that with our faith in Him, He uses that. He's the one that does the saving. Let's just be real clear about that, okay? He's the one that does the saving. But He calls us to put our faith in Him. To put our faith in Him. And the victory here in the Scripture is tied to that process, that, that both end kind of happening at the same time. Again, Jesus is the one. You know, it's His blood on the cross. It's not anything that we could do that saves us. It is totally 100% Him. But He involves us in the process. And God overcomes by using faith as a piece of the puzzle. And the way this is written is that the overcome part of this is past tense. And I think this is, this is important because it especially helps us to not lay claim to anything that's happening because we have faith, okay? That, that we, don't, we, we don't want to take too much credit here. We want to be careful about that. But the overcome here is past tense, meaning that it is done. This has already been done. It is finished. And there's no need for it to be done again. The victory has already been won. Okay? So the victory was won, and then we get to put our faith in what God has done. And He does this work. And it's, you know, I mean, let's just face it. it you know, our faith moves around at times. I say, Chris, what do you mean by that? Like, well, think about the things that we put faith in. I'm putting faith in this stage right now that it won't fall down. Now, I've got to tell you, there have been moments in time when 24 had some stages that I didn't have as much faith in as I have in this one. 
there were stages that sometimes fell down or moved out from under you, especially if Nathan was dancing on them. And at some point, I think he fell through one of them. I'm not sure. I can't remember. A long time ago. Moving around. Our faith, we put our faith in different things, don't we? We put our faith. We'll, we we you say, you got faith in the Lord? Oh, yeah, I got faith in the Lord. How, how are things going for you? Well, not real good. I don't know if we're going to make it. Okay. <laughs> so, so what's your faith in? What's your faith in? Is it in there's enough money? Is it in, you know, the house is going to be okay? You're not going to have to call USS, you know? Fix it all up. Make sure it doesn't fall down. He's trying to help us to see that there is this opportunity that we have to always have our faith in Jesus. Let's read it again. For everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. We take our eyes off of Him. When we take our eyes off of Him and put it into something else, something else is letting us down. He is not letting us down. The victory has already been won. I, I want to read this quote to you if that's okay. It's a John Piper quote out of a commentary by Danny Aiken. It says this. It says, Faith sees that Jesus is better. That is why faith conquers the world. The world held us in bondage by its power and its desires. But now our eyes have been opened by the new birth to see the superior desirability of Jesus. Jesus is better than the desires of the flesh and better than the desires of the eyes and better than the riches that strangle us with greed and pride. Jesus is better. I'll throw this one at you too. It's in here too. From Adrian Rogers. He says this, Faith in faith is just positive thinking, but faith in Jesus is salvation. Faith in faith is just positive thinking, but faith in Jesus is salvation. What's your faith in? Faith in Jesus? Okay. What, 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 what's going to happen when, it kinda, when life kind of crashes on you this week? You going to be okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll be okay. We're going to be all right. Okay. All right. You will be. You will be okay, by the way. You will be okay. Whatever you're going through right now, if you have trusted in Jesus, you will be okay. I, that's a promise. I can say that wholeheartedly knowing that that is true. Verse 5, it goes on, our last verse here. It says, Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? John just finished spelling out the victory of our grace, grace in our life, God's saving, unbelievable, remarkable grace. And we see it throughout this passage through different things. Again, we have the bookends of verse 1 and verse 5. 
You see the, you see the similarities to verse 1 and verse 5? Verse 1, if you go back to it, we'll read it again. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. And then in verse 5, it says, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So we've got two, we've got two, two statements about believing in Jesus, verse 1 and verse 5, in this section right here. And, and it's really amazing because when you put all this together and you see as John walks through the Scriptures here, you see the process of God claiming us as His and what it looks like for us to receive Him as our Savior. So in verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Verse 5, what's it say? It's a little different. It says, who is that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So one is believing that Jesus is the Christ, and the other one is that Jesus believes, uh, that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. What's going on here? John wants us to understand who Jesus is. That's what's going on here. John wants us to get that, that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, okay? That he was the one that was predicted to come to save the world, do all the things. But he also wants us to understand that Jesus is also the Son of God, that he is God himself, made incarnate, brought to earth, has existed forever, created the world, all of the things. John wants us to understand who Jesus is. And the in-between there, what we see in this process is we see new birth. We see, we see God giving us new birth. Everyone who believes has been born of God, born of God, a new birth, being born of God, a new birth given to us by God. And then number two, we see the believer experiencing God's love. We've been all through that, but John's been all through that back and forth all throughout uh, the whole letter but especially uh, you know, this uh, last chapter, chapter 4, and then here in chapter 5 again. And then we see the believer responding in faith. Faith. We just talked about that. Putting our faith in Christ. And here we see a confession, and the confession is that Jesus is the Son of God. And by the way, the word believe here, the word believe here is present tense, it is continuing to believe. It is not that you just believed on the day that you received Jesus as your Savior. It is that you continue to believe. That we are holding to this truth of who Jesus is. And we're not giving it up. We will always believe. We will never let that go. And as an overall... We see John helping us to see what true believers look like. As he's done over and over with these tests through the scriptures that he has been sharing with us, we see what believers look like and we see the, the fruit of their lives come in these forms. Belief, love, and obedience. And these are things that are proof of a new life. Which begs this question today. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you put your faith in Him? Have you believed in Him to let His saving grace to, to claim the victory 
that He's already made, that He's already won, long ago, already done. No? You can. You can. You can do that today. You can, you can start a relationship with Jesus today. All you have to do is believe. Believe He's the Son of God. Put your faith in Him today and confess it. We're having plunge in a few weeks. That's our baptism. I believe this one's at the dam. We've done them in creeks before. This one's at the dam. And, uh, you know, we, we'd love, if you've never been baptized, we would love for you to be baptized that day. Do you know what baptism is? It's a public confession of what Christ has done in you. That's all it is. Baptism doesn't save you. It's a public confession of what God has done in you in the redeeming power of Jesus who died on the cross and gave His life for us. But there's no reason to do it if you've never believed in Christ as your Savior. Only Jesus can save you. And Jesus wants to save you. That Jesus who is the Christ, the Messiah, that was sent to save the world, that Jesus who is the Son of God, the only Son of God who came to give eternal life. His life was given that we might have life, that, we might, that He might carry the burdens of this world for us, that we might be a part of the family, get the inheritance, point others to Him, glorify Him. Belief, love, and obedience in our lives is proof that He is our King. And the biggest question today is, is he yours? As John said, everyone who believes that Jesus has been born of God has been born of him, has received his love, has received his grace. I hope you have today. If you haven't, I would love to talk with you. I'm going to walk out in the foyer here in just a second when I get done praying. I'll be there waiting to pray with you and talk with you about what it means to trust in Christ as your Savior. Let's pray together. God, as we continue to worship you in these moments, God, I pray that you would continue to speak to our hearts, but Lord, I pray that we would glorify you as well. I pray, Lord, that we would praise you through the act of communion, God, I pray that we would praise you through the singing of a song. Lord, whatever it is, God, Lord, be blessed in this moment on our behalf. Lord, I pray for anyone that's never trusted in you to be their Savior, never believed upon you to be the one. God, I pray that today, Lord, that they would believe. God, thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how it challenges us. God, may we keep our eyes on you. May we keep our sights set on you, our faith in you. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus. We ask all this in his name. Amen.